It's a Mark Burley Monday here on Locked on Sox. I'm going to make the case that he's a Hall of Famer. You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Today, I'll be talking about Mark Burley and why I think he's a Hall of Famer. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at Locked On Sox, or you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. As I said before the intro played, as quickly as I possibly could, in the vein of Mark Burley, we are talking about Mark Burley. It's a Mark Burley Monday here on Locked on Sox, and I'm going to be trying to convince you, and I don't think I need to convince this fan base that Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer, but maybe the U is a BBWA voter out there, and you're listening to this and thinking, "Mm, is Mark Burley a Hall of Famer? Maybe I could suede you, because we're looking for a very, very limited amount of people. There's about 333 people last year who I needed to influence, and this year it's about tracking to be a similar number. Let's first run down the way I'm going to lay out the show, and we're going to first start off down the road to 5%. 5% will be a very, very important number for Mark Burley's Hall of Fame case and his, his time on the ballot. So we're going to keep 5% in the mind, and I'm going to explain that a little bit later. Then I'm going to build the case. Obviously, if I can't build the case, then I don't think he should be a Hall of Famer. So we got to do the important work there in the middle. And then we'll talk about the likelihood, because although I can try to build the case, although we can try to track the numbers and increase the number each and each and every single year, it still depends after 10 years, which would be 2030, can he get to the 75% threshold that you need to reach to become a Hall of Famer? So We'll talk about all of this here on Locked on Socks. And if you want to follow some Burley Hall of Fame updates, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, every time a vote is casted for Mark Burley, I will try to update you under the hashtag bust, B-U-S-T, the number four, Burley. Hashtag bust for Burley. So I'm trying to keep you updated with minute to minute updates uh, on Mark Burley's Hall of Fame case, because it's something very interesting for, for White Sox fans to watch, especially when there's a lockout going on. So let's talk about this 5%. We're going to go down the road to 5%. It's a very, very important road. It's a road that I was tracking last year. Thankfully, Mark Burley reached the 5%. And the 5% is for a player to stay on the ballot. To stay on the ballot for the next year, you need to reach a minimum of 5% of the vote. So Mark Burley last year, he received... 32 total votes out of 311 casted ballots, and he received about 9.6% of the vote. Again, so that's about 4.6% of reaching the minimum. So Mark Burley did pretty well in in his first time on the ballot. And this is an interesting point here. It's December 27th, 2021, Monday, December 27th, 2021, Uh, I forgot, again, to give you the date at the start of the show, so I apologize uh, on that one. But the 27th is an interesting date because the announcement of the class of 2022, the BBWAA Hall of Fame ballot, uh, will be announced on January 25th. So we're basically a month out. Christmas would have been a month out officially. This is our first episode for, for Christmas, so we're giving you a month update, you know, about two days late. 
I hope you're not mad, but you know, there was a holiday. Anyways, Burley was at 9.6% last year. Really, really comfortable getting onto the ballot. I think that he made it onto the ballot before the final rush of ballots came in. I think before the final date was announced, I think he was tracking around 6%. So he really needed a bad finish to the ballots to get knocked off last year. He had a strong finish. So that was really, really encouraging for me to see last year when tracking the Hall of Fame numbers for Mark Burley. So I think 2020 was a very, very good year for Burley. But honestly, 2021 is a very, very scary storm. And this is the one that might knock him out. So again, we're about a month away from the actual class being announced. And last year at this time, the 65th ballot was casted on Christmas Day. The 65th ballot was just casted on the 26th. So at least comparing the data from 2021 to 2020 will be fairly insightful because we have basically a very, very similar sample rate. So we'll look through the first 65 ballots from last year and the first 65 ballots from this year. Through the first 65 ballots of last year, he had eight votes, which is honestly great. That's 12% of a ballot right there, and he ended up around 9.6. So he started off fairly strong. This year, however, through 65 ballots, he's only received three votes, about 4.6% of the vote. Now, the fact that he has five less votes isn't necessarily bad because you have to look at the people who voted for him. Again, eight people voted for him in the first 65 ballots of last year. Only three people have voted for him in the first 65 ballots of this year. And this year, he's only lost two votes so far. Joe Colley didn't vote for him, and Ian Harrison didn't vote for him. So Burley losing two votes is tough, but again, it's not the end of the world. He had 32 votes last year. If he goes down to 30, he will still stay on the ballot for the 2023 class. And three votes that he's received already came from people who voted for him in 2021. So we're not looking at an influx or any new people voting for him. However, it's really more about the specific number of votes. So the fact that he only has three through 65 right now, I'm not panicked because, again, there's going to be a rush at some point. These writers aren't going to just keep waiting. And right now they're still staying the pace, but it's just kind of like any election. They're going to come in slower. They're going to come in faster. You got to watch out for the big cities, too. Chicago is still going to represent for Mark Burley, and not all the voters that voted for him in Chicago have submitted their ballots. And we could go in a little bit deeper into where those votes might come from. So according to the BB Hall of Fame tracker, and Ryan Thibodeau, uh, who runs this, does a great job. He has a fantastic team. I got my Twitter notifications set up for Ryan, and he runs the Baseball Hall of Fame tracker. Right now, again, Burley's at 4.7%. He's projected to be at 6.6%. So again, the fact that he's lost two votes isn't a killer. He is still projected to advance to the 2023 ballot. And he, right now, according to the tracker, needs 17 additional votes to reach 5%. That's a total of 20 votes. We just need 20 voters to vote for Mark Burley. We already got three down. And now I just wonder where those 17 can come from. The other 17 to get him that 20. And I think the easiest spot to look at is because we don't know about first-time voters. Someone who just became eligible to become a Hall of Fame voter might vote for Mark Burley. And that would be great. There's no way to really project this either. There's no way to project how a first-year voter would vote. So we're kind of left to looking at the past. 
And there's people that voted for Mark Burley that haven't casted their ballot yet. And if we go back to that 65 ballots from 2020, there are people that haven't submitted their ballot yet. There's only one person from 2021 and 2020 who turned their ballot in in the first 65 people that did not vote for Mark Burley this year. Joe Cowley voted in 2020 for Mark Burley and then didn't vote in 2021 for Mark Burley. Out of the eight votes that he got in those first 65 of 2020, Cowley's the only one to say no. Ian Harrison has dropped his vote for Mark Burley, but he's not in that first 65. But guys like Shi Davidi, he's in that first 65. He hasn't casted his ballot yet. Krista Luca hasn't casted his ballot yet. You also have Ryan Fagan, Kevin Gorman, Evan Grant, and Teddy Greenstein all haven't casted their ballot yet. And if we say, you know, those guys, all of those people go and vote for Mark Burley again, you could take that number of 17 and whittle it down to 11. So let's just say Mark Burley's 11 away. If those if those people keep Mark Burley on his ballot, he'd be 11 away from making the 2023 ballot. And where could those next 11 come from? Rob Raines hasn't submitted his ballot yet. Paul Sullivan, Mel Antonin, Tony Janetti, Scott Greger, Manolo Hernandez Duen, Alan Hoskins, Paul Hoynes, Robert Kunster, Richard Shook, and Greg Wan. Those people have not casted their ballots yet. And those aren't just people who voted for Mark Burley last year. I left some of the people that voted for Burley off. And what's specific about those 11 that I just named, Rain, Sullivan, Antonin, Janetti, Gregor, Hernandez, Duen, Hoskins, Hoynes, Kunster, Shook, and Wong, all of those people voted for nine players or less. And I think that's the biggest thing for Burley is the people that are not going to vote for the steroid people. So A-Rod, David Ortiz, right? Just looking at the history of the way that these people have voted, they're not voting for people who have tested positive for steroids or have uh, come forth saying that they used HGH. And if they stay hold and continue to avoid the steroid users, this is how Mark Burley can go on to 2023. It's all about surviving in advance for Mark Burley. I'll talk about his case next here on Lockdown Sox. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered with chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And they're high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. I know Lockdown Sox listeners know Built Bar from Tanny and Herb's relationship with them. I know I know Built Bar from my relationship with Tanny and Herb. I show up to work at the 670 The Score Studios, and in every drawer, there's probably a loose Built Bar. I know Tanny and Herb were always bringing Built Bars around. I've seen every flavor, raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. Tanny wouldn't stop talking about his favorite flavor, the German chocolate cake, because it gave him the extra fuel he needed to get through the day. So this holiday season, stock your stuffings with a few Built Bars. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Mark Burley said at the time of his retirement, I've always told people I was a young guy that came into the big leagues unknown, kind of snuck into the big leagues, and I wanted to kind of sneak my way out. I'm Sean Anderson. You're listening to Locked on Sox. 
Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. I understand that Mark wanted to sneak his way out of baseball, and I'm looking to sneak his way into baseball. I talked to you already about the road to 5%, why 5% is such a crucial number for Mark Burley. We want the most amount of tries to get him into the Hall of Fame as possible. He's already gotten past 2020. That was year number one. Year number two right now is trending to be an above 5% year for Mark Burley's Hall of Fame candidacy. But if we really want him to be a Hall of Famer, he needs to go all the way from 9% to 75%. And there are obviously other ways to get into the Hall of Fame outside of this committee and this ballot. You could look at Minnie Mignoso, who just got it voted in due to the Golden Days era ballot. This isn't Mark Burley's only way into the Hall of Fame, but it is the first way. And it is the first possible step to getting there. And let's talk about kind of the easy resume for Mark Burley. And this is put together by Patrick Nolan, but I think this is what everyone knows already on the surface from Mark Burley, at least you White Sox fans, that he's the only pitcher to face the minimum 27 batters three times. I think people would first go to the no-hitter in 2007 against the Rangers, where he walked Sammy Sosa and then immediately picked him off, facing the minimum amount of batters there. Obviously, a perfect game, July 23rd, 2009, will be the minimum amount of batters. And then, in 2004, while facing the Cleveland team, on July 21st, he allowed two hits, but... Both players that got hits, first it was in the bottom of the seventh, Omar Vizquel hit a single to center field. Then the next batter, Matt Lawton, hits it on the ground to Paul Konerko, who throws it over to Jose Valentin, who throws it back to Mark Burley. Three, six, one, double play. Mark Burley is through seven while facing the minimum. And then the bottom of the eighth happens. Tim Laker, who? Comes up to bat. He singles to right field. Then... Mark Burley strikes out Casey Blake. So you got one out, guy on first, and this is Mark Burley, who's up 12 to nothing, facing the four, five, six hitters for the Cleveland team, while having a one-hit shutout while facing the minimum so far. And Travis Hafner comes up. He hits a ground ball double play. <laughs> he goes Uribe to Harris to Konerko. And then Mark goes and finishes the ninth very, very cleanly. One, two, three. And that is how he became the only player to ever have three games where he faced the minimum. Next, Patrick List, greatest defensive pitcher of his era, which is true, but also doesn't matter in the long run. Because Jim Cott, who just got elected into the Hall of Fame, which he did just get elected, but it was a senior committee vote, he won 16 gold gloves. So while I don't think the greatest defensive pitcher of his era would hurt his case, but I don't think it's going to define or make his case. Then Pat lists off 14 straight seasons of 200-plus innings. He is only one of seven players to do that. Warren Spahn did it in 17 straight seasons. Gaylord Perry and Don Sutton did it in 15 straight seasons. And then Christy Mathewson, Greg Maddox, Phil Necro, and Mark Burley had 14 straight seasons of 200 plus innings pitched. And then Pat lists some minor achievements like second most consecutive batters retired ever with 45. That was stepping from the 2009 perfect game into his Minnesota game. Pace of play savior, which is 
tough to define. But then again, I was going back and I watched some of the uh, 2005 World Series. And in the start that he made, he threw, I believe it was 53 pitches in 20 minutes, which turns out to be 2.65 pitches per minute. So, I mean, and it's not, it shouldn't be that shocking that Mark Burley's working fast. But in the World Series, it feels like it's a minute and a half between pitches now. And Mark Burley's at least fitting more than two and a half in one single inning in the 2005 World Series. And if you want to know more great stuff about his pace of play, go look up uh, Foolish Baseball speedrunning video on Mark Burley. It shows you how dynamic and how quick he worked. And this one's more for Sox fans, but then Pat finishes off by listing Drunk World Series safe. And you can follow Pat on Twitter at Sox, M-A-C-H, underscore P. Knowles. The letter P, N-O-L-E-S. Again, at Sox, M-A-C-H, underscore P. Knowles. And to add to Pat's work here, and honestly, this probably fits under the greatest defensive pitcher of his era, so I take that little slight back. The most pickoffs of all time came from Steve Carlton. He had 146 pickoffs. He also had 90 balks. Second in pickoffs is Mark Burley. He has 100 pickoffs, only 16 balks. So you can also add that he is the greatest at holding base runners and getting base runners out. You might be wondering how we can measure this. Throughout his career, Mark Burley allowed 59 stolen bases. He caught 81 players stealing. He had a 58% caught stealing rate, which is absurd. And just to, you know, try to make it more absurd, we'll just compare it to Steve Carlton, who did play in a time that saw more base runner stealing. But you look at Steve Carlton's caught stealing percent, and it's not 58%, it's 34%. Carlton allowed 314 stolen bases and had 226 runners caught stealing. We'll get into these stats more next compared to his contemporaries and the players that are also on the ballot. But just to summarize the case for Mark Burley, he did the most with what little he had. We'll talk about that more next on Locked on Sox. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Right now on betonline.ag, the White Sox have the 8th highest odds to win the World Series at plus 1,600. Again, head over to betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here on Lockdown White Sox, Let's talk about the likelihood of Mark Burley being a Hall of Famer. There are two players I'd like to compare him to, and they're both currently on the ballot. It's Andy Pettit and Tim Hudson. Mark Burley has more all-star appearances than Hudson or Pettit. He has five, Hudson had four, and Pettit had 
three. Pettit had the most World Series. He had five. Hudson and Burley both won one. However, the place where Mark really doesn't match up to these guys is in Cy Young and more solo awards. Hudson or Pettit don't have any gold gloves. Burley has four. However, Mark Burley only once in his career finished top five in Cy Young voting and only showed up on the voting once. He showed up on the voting in 2005. He was fifth in the AL Cy Young vote. Tim Hudson finished second in 2000, sixth in 2001, fourth in 2003, and fourth in 2010. Andy Pettit finished second in 1996, fifth in 1997, fourth in 2000, sixth in 2003, and fifth in 2005. However, where Burley really, really makes up for his lack of dominance, and some people think that Hall of Fame is a dominance thing. I don't think it is. And I think dominance can be measured in many different ways. I don't think it is just strictly award-based. It's how effective were you. And Mark Burley was the most effective player in my mind, pitcher in my mind, over the past 20 years. And that's different than being dominant. Clayton Kershaw is the most dominant pitcher in the past 20 years. Maybe you think it's Randy Johnson. Maybe you think it's Justin Verlander. It's definitely not Mark Burley. But he is the most effective player. And I'm trying to look at a 15-year chunk. Pettit played for 18 years. Hudson played for 17. Burley played for 15. And they both had, all three of them, not both, all three of them had weird rookie years where they didn't finish the full season, didn't play a full season, so we can knock that one off. And let's just look at their best 15 seasons. For Pettit, that came from 1996 to 2012. For Burley, that came from 2001 to 2015. And Hudson, that came from 2000 to 2014. In that stretch of 15 years, his best stretch, Hudson started 436 games. Pettit started 465 games. And Burley started 490 games. This past year in the NL Cy Young voting, there was a debate between Zach Wheeler and Corbin Burns. Burns had the better numbers, but one thing that Wheeler did have over him was innings pitched. And with those innings pitched, he effectively got 139 more batters out than Corbin Burns did. And voters and people in baseball media started to talk about the effect of volume and getting outs. You can't win the game if you don't get outs. It's plain and simple as that. So let's look at the amount of outs they got over that 15-year stretch. Tim Hudson, although he had better numbers, Tim Hudson was more effective at missing bats, right? He had more strikeouts and less home runs and less hits given up. Andy Pettit had less home runs given up and less hits given up, less runs given up. But Mark Burley got the most outs. Hudson got effectively 8,600 outs in that 15-year stretch. Pettit in that 15-year stretch got 8,867 outs. Mark Burley, in that stretch, got 9,696 outs. Nearly almost 1,000 more outs than Andy Pettit and more than 1,000 more outs than Tim Hudson. And you look at the ERAs, Hudson does have the lowest at 3.46, but even though Andy Pettit got nearly 800 less outs he had a higher ERA than Mark Burley at 
Burley's over that 15-year stretch was 3.81. And to talk about the effectiveness, I think you have to look at the entire puzzle to Mark Burley. Over that 15-year stretch from 2001 to 2015, Mark Burley threw 3,232 innings. Hudson reached 2,866 and two-thirds, and Pettit reached 2,955 and two-thirds. If you take the rate stats of Pettit and Hudson, of what they gave up per nine, hits per nine, home runs per nine, K per nine, and walk per nine, and extrapolate that to the innings pitch that Burley threw from 2001 to 2015, the story becomes clear. Mark Burley was just underrated. The reason why he wasn't finishing top five and top six and top four and Cy Young is just because he was the same pitcher every single year, every single game even. Mark Burley didn't strike people out because he couldn't. But what he did was he used his repertoire and his head to get you out. And I don't understand why that's less impressive. Mark Burley doesn't have these stats that Andy Pettit and Tim Hudson have because he's not Tim Hudson or Andy Pettit. He's not Tom Glavin. He's the only player like this. If you look at players from 1969 to 2020, their career numbers, Mark Burley has the third lowest amount of walks. Only David Wells and Kurt Schilling are in front of him. If you look at K per nine, he's sixth from pitchers from 1969 to 2020. Maddox is one, Wells is second, Fergie Jenkins is third, Schilling's fourth, fifth is Musina, and sixth is Burley. The only two guys that are not Hall of Famers statistically are David Wells and Mark Burley. And I'm trying to make the case that Burley is, right? Schilling isn't in yet. I don't know if he'll be in in year 10 after this year, but at least stat-based, Kurt Schilling should be a Hall of Famer. This is all a roundabout way to say that Mark Burley's career was defined by control. He controlled where he threw the ball. He controlled the pace of play. And really the only thing that he couldn't control, which is just baseball itself, is what happened when the batters hit the ball. Mark Burley was not a gifted, maybe not even a talented pitcher, but I think that he was the most effective and smartest pitcher of the past 20 years. And I think it shows with his arsenal, and the way that he used his arsenal. If Mark Burley gets into the Hall of Fame from guys after 1969, he has probably thrown the most balls that are defined as hittable, that are defined as crushable. The guy gave up 356 home runs in his career. Again, there's a reason why we have to build the case for Mark Burley being a Hall of Famer. And I think that case revolves around him being the most effective pitcher when it comes to getting outs your way. I think the only other player that is in that conversation is Randy Johnson. He was a player that was defined by his strikeout stuff, and that's why he retired as the K per nine leader. Baseball really hasn't figured out the defensive metrics or the idea of volume pitched, but if we're able to define it one day, I think it will show the greatness that was Mark Burley. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please feel free to call in 312 312- 566-8727. Do you have any Burley thoughts you'd like to share? You could also write in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. I hope I was able to build up the case enough. I tried to bring as much research as I could, but even then I think there's so many stats that you can 
go through that you'll, you'll never find enough. I will keep updating you on Merck Burley's Road to the Hall of Fame. You can follow that on Twitter, hashtag bust for Burley. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Socks. Lockdown Socks is your first listen each and every day. This coming Wednesday, I'm looking to have Mike Rankin on the podcast, so check that out on the 29th. But now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Locked on Socks.